Welcome to the Enter the Kingdom podcast, where our goal is to equip listeners with the tools they'll need to not only enter the kingdom of heaven here and now, but remain in the kingdom that Jesus ushered in 2,000 years ago. I'm your host, Harrison Watson, and in 2018, God called me out from the world for this purpose and many others. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. All right, welcome to the fifth episode of the Enter the Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Watson. We got a good one today. Um, I think that, you know, this potentially, uh, if we didn't record another episode and you got this, what's been, what's been said here in the first five episodes, but you really understood this episode specifically is kind of the linchpin of bringing all this together, we might not ever have to record another episode. It's, it's truly that important. Um, and I think that once you grasp it, what we're going to talk about today, which is the process of purification, once you grasp that and what, what it fully means, I think as you read the Bible and you read what Jesus is saying, you're going to see that pop off the page to you a lot, over and over and over again. Now, he does it in different ways. And just like he does it in different ways, I'm going to try to explain it to you in as many ways as the Holy Spirit gives me. But truly, if you grasp this process, I think that everything else will fall into place. Now, I've been saying this every single week, that really it's important for you to listen to episodes one through four and this episode, because these have been building off of each other, okay? And so today really marks, I'm not going to call it the end but it really is that final step in this process of entering and remaining in the kingdom that we need to talk about. There are lots of little variations and, and, and paths that, we, that we'll probably continue to talk about, should, you know, God willing. But truly, episodes one through five, and this is the fifth episode, are meant to lay the foundation for entering and remaining in the kingdom. What, what you need to do and what you need to understand. And so I'm going to recap that really quickly. Um, But again, I I do recommend that you go back and you listen to the first four episodes. You'll still get something out of today's episode, for sure. But I think that in the context of the rest of the episodes, today will make a lot more sense if you go back and you listen to them. All right, so just a quick recap on those. You know, episode one, you know, I gave a little bit of my story. You know, how we got to hear... And really, it gives a a broad strokes overview of kind of the whole purpose for this podcast and and what it means to enter and remain in the kingdom that Jesus ushered in 2,000 years ago. That's the whole purpose of this, is to let people know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ ushered in a kingdom that is meant to be lived here and now. It will also be brought into the fullness of its understanding here on the earth as it is in heaven, as the book of Revelation talks about where you will see it all across the world, but it's meant to be lived by the individual believer here and now. And I want to make that abundantly clear because so much of our messaging has been about what happens after we die. Stop playing kick the can with entering the kingdom. You're meant to live in it now. Stop kicking out the promises of God that are meant to be lived now. Yes, they will be lived when we enter into the fullness of the kingdom. But to the believer, the kingdom is meant to be lived here and now. Grab onto it. Jesus said, repent. This is episode number two. We talked about the first step. 
of entering into this kingdom. It's the same thing that John the Baptist preached to, to pave the way for Jesus and his ministry. And it's the very first thing that Jesus himself said and what he told us to preach at the end of his ministry. It's repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does at hand mean? It means it's within reach. It means it's here and now. It means if you grab onto it, the kingdom is available to you now. So change your mind, change your ways, repent. We talked about the true meaning of repentance in that episode, that it's not just to stop sinning, though that is a big part of it, but it's about changing your mind and realizing that the way that you think things work is not the way that they work. So change your mind and bring yourself into alignment with the way of God. So that was episode two. In episode three, you know, we talked about the fundamentals of how Jesus was led what it means to be led, what that looks like. And Jesus showed us the way that he did it. In John 5, 19, he, uh, John 5, 19 through 20, and he says it in many ways, but this is the one that I continually hit on because I think it just says it so clearly. Jesus said, Very truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does in like manner. So what Jesus is saying in this, and, and again, in episode three, I talk about this in more depth. What Jesus is saying is that he never did anything that God didn't give him to do. And you'll notice this throughout the Bible. If you take a look immediately after he's baptized and he receives the Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter four, he's led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tested. That's where you and I are standing right now. We are in the wilderness on the cusp of the promised land. But just like the Israelites had to believe and possess the promised land in the book of Exodus and in the book of Joshua, just like they had to do that, we too have to do it now. You understand? We're meant to live the kingdom here and now. And so Jesus shows us the way, and I told you about John 5.19. He also says at one point in John 12.49-50, through 50, I believe, that he never spoke any words that his father did not give him to speak. So Jesus says, you know, he was led by never doing anything that his father didn't give him to do and never speaking anything that his father didn't give him to speak. And that's done via the Holy Spirit and the word of God and relationship with God. You know, we've been given those tools. We have more access to the word of God than anyone has ever had in the history of the world right now. You can pull it out of your pocket on your smartphone whenever you want. We have more access to the Word of God right now than we've ever had, yet less people living it the way that Jesus meant it. So that was episode three. And, and last week, we talked about the reality. We talked about sanctification and holiness. And we talked about how sanctification is a process. It is something that happens to you. So God set you apart the moment that you believed in Jesus Christ and what God accomplished through Jesus, the moment that you believed in him, God set you apart. He declared you to be sanctified and set apart as a holy nation. Apart from what? Apart from the world. Apart from doing things the way that the world does. He picked you up and he set you apart so that he could be your king. And there's a lot of depth to that, so you need to go back and listen to that episode. 
But the next thing that we're going to be talking about today, you know, people talk about this process of sanctification. And what, they're really, what they really mean is not necessarily a process of sanctification, but a process of purification. And we're going to start by diving into John 17, 17, where Jesus is speaking. And he says this. Again, they use the word sanctify in this. But I'm going I'm to tell you what it actually means by going to the interlinear and taking a look at the different contexts. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That's John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So I was looking at this last night as I was, you know, kind of finishing up my study. Because this is something that God had been showing me. Paul talks about this same thing that we're getting ready to talk about. But he talks about it in a different way than Jesus did. He talks about them as being strongholds. And he tells us to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And he talks about tearing down strongholds with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And if we look at, there's something that you need to understand about your Bible and the way that it is translated. Now, English translators do the best that they can. And there, there are significant processes that people put into place to ensure that what they're doing is really trying to get to the heart of what the Hebrew said. What the Hebrew word said, or the Greek word said, in this, in this case. What the original language said. But there's a problem. There are language barriers in between what we say, how we say things in English, that they don't necessarily do in other grammatical languages. And so we do the best that we can. There's this thing called an interlinear Bible and also a concordance. If you haven't heard of those, you might have heard of a concordance, but you might not have heard of an interlinear Bible. What an interlinear Bible is, is it takes a verse by verse translation and it takes the Greek word or the Hebrew word that was used and it puts it directly it puts directly beneath that word the English equivalent. And again, they're doing the best that they can. It, it, the reason why an interlinear is important is because, as we discussed, I think even on the last episode, there are a lot of different times where, based on the contextual understanding of the person or people who are translating something into English, they are going to translate a word using something specific. In our case, they're using the word sanctify as the first word in John 17, 17. But when I went into the interlinear to try and understand this, you know, because I was asking God, I was like, look, God, I know what you've told me. You've told me that the process of purification that we need to go through is by changing our ideas that are inside of ourselves, or as Paul talks about it, tearing out the strongholds. And what is a stronghold? A stronghold is an idea that you hold on to that doesn't align with the Word of God. That is both the process of purification that we're talking about here and that Jesus is talking about in John 17, 17, and also what Paul talks about 
when he talks about tearing down strongholds. So there's an interpretive issue that we have, even in the interlinear Bible, where you, you, at some point you just have to choose a word that you think is most proper there. And again, there, there are significant processes that people go through for this. I don't think that there's intentionally any gamesmanship with it. I think that people who are going about these things are trying to do the best that they can, but it's always going to fall short because there's no exact equivalent. The Greek language is not the English language. The English language is not the Hebrew language. And so you can't make an exact equivalent. All you can try and do is take the best context that you have and try and put the best word and the best English equivalent there. And, and it's, it's a nearly impossible job. And so to have these other tools, like an interlinear, and also a concordance with you, it, it's really important. And I'm going to tell you what the concordance has to say about this word sanctify from John 17, 17. So in the Greek concordance, in the Greek concordance, the word is hagiadzo, hagiadzo. And that is spelled H-A-G-I-A-Z-O with a, an accent over top of the O. And, you know, Strong's Concordance says that the definition of that is to make holy, to consecrate, to sanctify. And it is used in a way that says, I make holy, treat as holy, set apart as holy, sanctify, hallow, and purify. Now, you really have to keep going to understand this. So it, because there's, there's helpful word studies beneath that. And again, I'm getting this actually from BibleHub.com. BibleHub.com. This is a free tool that you can go to. It's, a, it's absolutely fantastic. And what they try to do is show you, that's where my interlinear is, and it actually happens to be where I also use the concordance most of the time. Uh, you can get a paper concordance, and you can get a paper interlinear if you want, and those will do the same thing, but this is just the fastest way in the best way that technology's allowed us to be able to study God's Word. Um, but, you know, it gives you the basic layout. But even this, there are different ideas that are set up in Strong's Concordance in its definition and in its usage. So what it'll do is if you scroll down, it'll show you all of the different ways and reasons for the ways that that the word that is being used, how it can be contextually properly interpreted. And usually it'll put which verses it's interpreted in this specific way. So now I'm going down for John 17, 17 to try to understand, you know, which version of Hagazio are they trying to use here? And I, and I find it at the bottom of it, and it says, To purify internally by reformation of the soul. And the very verse first that it talks about is actually the one that we just read, which is John 17, 17. And, and, and what that means is through knowledge of the truth. So what this means, again, I'm going to read it. And instead of using sanctify, I'm going to use the full definition of what this word is supposed to, supposed to mean in this context. Purify them internally by reformation of their soul by your truth. Your word is truth. Again, John 17, 17, purify them internally by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, what is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You know, that, that Paul talks about 
working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What Paul means by this is work out the salvation of your soul. And he means that by coming into a deeper knowledge of the truth. How do we do that? By rejecting the truth that we tell ourselves based on everything that we've learned through the world, through context, through tradition, and taking that thought and that principle or that uh, foundational belief that we have and seeing how it actually lines up with the Word of God. And if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, we have to change that fundamental principle to be in alignment with the Word of God. And not only do we have to change that internally, but then we have to start living our lives as if that is the fundamental truth that we should live on in that specific context. I'm going to try and say this in a different way, or try to give you an example. I have a tool that I built that I called the Tearing Down Strongholds tool. And all it is, is just an Excel sheet. And if you email me at etkpodcast at gmail.com, if you email me there, I will send you this tool. It used to be up on my website. God had me take it down for just a bit. I'm, I'm sure it'll come back up at some point. But he had me take that down and everything else because he's got me working on something else. But if you email me at etkpodcast at gmail.com, I'll send you this tool. And it really significantly helped me. And I'll just, I'm going to give you an idea. Well, we'll use the one from last week. I always thought that sanctification was just the process of purification. So what, what I mean by that is that I always thought that while Jesus saved me, and I was saved by believing in Jesus, that it was through my own effort that I was set apart and made holy. But the truth of the matter is that God at that moment set us apart and declared us holy. So the truth is that we are sanctified. We are set apart. We are holy. We are a part of a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And we again, we talked about that last week. Now we must live in the light of that holiness. And in order to do that, this process of purification or this process of tearing down strongholds is the method through which we release the chains of the world in our own ego, in our own sense of our own identity and our own ideas, and align them with the truth of God's word. A couple of verses to try and hit this home a little bit more. Jesus says that I and my Father are one, and we are supposed to become one with them. Now, you may not want to hear what I'm about to say next, but it's the truth. The more of you, if you have your ideas, your identity, your will, your desires, any of those things that aren't desires or the will that is in alignment with what God says or what God has for you specifically, you can't be one with God and you can't be one with Jesus. How can you make one from two? The only way to get to one from two is to subtract one. And so whatever is standing in the way of that oneness, it's usually, it's us. We're the ones who are standing in the way of, of oneness with God. Our own identity, our own ideas, our own desires, wills, actions, 
anything that is not of God, that is what gets in the way of our oneness. We are what gets in the way of our oneness. And so what do we have to do in order to become one? We have to subtract ourselves. We have to become less so that God becomes one. God is one, and he is one with Jesus. The two of them were so in alignment together that they became one together. That's what Jesus means when he says, I didn't do anything that God didn't give me to do, nor did I speak anything that God didn't give me to, to say. In the verses that I talked about earlier, John 5, 19 through 20 and John 12, 49 through 50. That is the oneness that we have to get to in order to become one with God. We have to subtract ourselves, our ideas. And how do we, that, that is the process of purification that we're talking about. We have to take every thought that we have captive. What does Paul mean by captive? It means catch that thought. Because the battlefield for our ability to, to become one with God is our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And when we take the thoughts and our beliefs and we take those and intentionally go to God with them and the word with them to bring our thoughts and our ideas into alignment with what the word says and then live according to it based on that new truth that's always been the truth, but it is new to us because we're now accepting the truth. That is how we get through the process of purification. Now, Jesus says, I'm going to take two verses here. John 1.1 1, 1 says, he starts it off with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is John talking about there? He's talking about Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That is one of the most misunderstood verses, and I tried to say it in another way, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through, what did he just call himself, the way, the truth, and the life? So I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through the way, the truth, and the life. Now we can add something else to that because of the definition that John gives us of who Jesus is. He's the Word. He is the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So what Jesus is saying in, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me, he's saying, the Word is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was so aligned with the Word of God and the teachings of God, and he became the example the living example of the word on the earth. That's what we're supposed to become. That is purification. So again, I'm, I'm going to recap, and I, I actually intentionally want to keep this one a bit shorter because I think it's important that we grasp this one concept, and I want you to pray long and hard about this, and I want you to take it back to the word with God because when you finally receive this and you start this process, of becoming one with God by subtracting yourself from the equation. When we do that, that's how we all become one with God. Father, I thank you for this word that you have given me. I thank you for your word that you've given all of us. Father, I repent, and I ask that you would cover my 
own understanding of the world and myself with the blood of Jesus. And Father, I ask that in Jesus' name, you would bring these things to light in my life that are not of you, that are not in alignment with your word, and that you would illuminate your word so that you could tear down the stronghold of my false ideas, my false will, my false emotions, and my thoughts, and bring them into alignment with your truth and change me. Help to subtract me so that there is only you, so that I may be one with you and one with Jesus, and that we all may be one together. Father, this word is difficult to hear for some of us. It's, in, it's incredibly simple in its concept, but hard for us to do. I ask for your grace to be poured out upon us, Father. I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone who would hear this right now, Father, and I ask that this seed would fall on good ground. I ask that you, Father, would do the work that you need to inside of us, that it would be you who brings this to fruition in all people. Help us, Father. Help us to put ourselves out of the equation and become one with you. Show us your truth and allow us to receive that truth. Remove anything from our lives that keeps us away from this. I ask this of you in the mighty name of Jesus. And I consider it done by faith. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us today on the Enter the Kingdom podcast. If today's message was an encouragement to you, please consider sharing it with someone whom you think it might encourage. Also, make sure to subscribe for free to our podcast and join us every Monday, God willing, as we continue on our journey together. God bless. We'll see you next Monday.